Hi there, and welcome to Manningham Christian Centre's Sermon of the Week. I'm so glad you joined us. My name is Matt Wyatt, and I'm the lead pastor here. My prayer for you is that as you listen, you encounter God and find this message practically helpful. It would mean a lot to us if you were able to rate and subscribe. This not only lets us know how we can serve you better, but also spreads the message to those who need to hear it. Hey, thanks so much again, and I look forward to catching up with you later. Bye. Well, we just had a great time of worship, didn't we? And uh, a great time in meeting leading. And we've been talking, well, experiencing, talking, however you want to say it, what it's like to live in community, to live in community with God and to live in community with each other. And we're going to continue that this morning. We're going to continue exploring that. So every culture lives in community, doesn't it, in one form or another. So we're going to talk about why God loves community life. That's what we're going to explore, hopefully answer that question this morning. But every culture lives in community in one form or another, don't we? And as communities together, we understand also that much more can be achieved together than it can be individually. Isn't that true? true. Certainly is true, isn't it? And uh, look, this church is doing an amazing job in reaching our local community. We know that with CareNet. And I've had the, uh, the honour of speaking at a, ministering at a couple of the CRC regional churches recently. And they also are just having a wonderful connection with community and just seeing God move and seeing uh, God touch people and just draw them to him. And that's really what we're all about. But for this morning, I feel like the Lord is calling us to focus on him this morning and his relationship with us here as his people, as Jesus followers who gather together, just like we've done this morning. Are we excited to gather together? Yeah. Are we excited? Is it something we look forward to? Is it something that's important in our week? Of course it is, because that's why we're here. We come to honour Jesus and to worship Jesus. And uh, I feel that the Lord wants to... Uh, build faith this morning in how he works amongst us. And uh, we heard such a great word from Callie as she was meeting leading about that. And I feel that the Lord wants to build our faith that he is here and he is at work amongst us. And I feel that the Lord would say this morning that he loves us beyond what we can see. He really wants, I feel, to say that, that his love is so great. And that's what we'll focus on this morning. It's beyond what we can ever see but we experience it tangibly, day in and day out. So what is community anyway? Well, this is the definition of community. It can be defined as a group of people who share a common interest or goal or belief. It provides support, connection, and a sense of belonging. But God creates his own community, and that's what we want to talk about this morning. So when we talk about community, our English language word generally means a group of individuals who are coming together for a common purpose. So it actually is very individualistic, the way that word is used in our language. But as people come together, what happens? They start to join together, they start to knit together, they start to build relationship, and they start to grow together. And God, of course, has his own purposes and his own plans for his community, which is you and I, here this morning. So we want to focus on that this morning. So hopefully we can answer the question, why does God love community life? Why do you think he loves community life? Just think about it for a moment. Fellowship, Fellowship yes. 
There's a whole lot of reasons, actually, and this is what I want to... Sorry? Caring for one another. God loves all of those things. That's right. That's exactly right. We're all part of his DNA. That's very true. So God loves community. Can I put it to you? Because he lives in community. Our God is communal by his very nature. And in more recent years, there's been more attention given to this aspect of God's nature. Father, Son and Spirit live in community together. Communities are probably a weak English word to describe their relationship, so I'll try and describe it rather than that. But it's something that we perhaps might be able to take hold of and connect with. But Father, Son and Spirit, they live together as one. They live together in complete unity, complete, absolute, perfect love one for the other. They have their own roles, which I won't unpack this morning, but they are in perfect unity, harmony together in a love that is beyond what we can experience other than by connecting with them. So the love between Father, Son and Spirit is so important. The Son loves the Father. Jesus came and he said, I have come. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. He came to reveal the Father to us. We didn't know we had a Father till Jesus came. We didn't know that, but Jesus came to reveal the Father. Then he said, I'm going to send the Spirit. I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm going to send my Spirit. So the Spirit will always point to Jesus. So they are in complete unity with each other. They speak the same thing, Father, Son and Spirit. That love is absolutely enormous. Our God um, is revealed in the Word in different ways. But it tells us a few things, that God by nature is relational. So he's not a God that's just sitting distant. He's not a God that is sitting a long way away from us, uninterested and uninvolved. Exactly the opposite. Now, other gods, other gods that are worshipped in our community, in our society, they are very distant. You know, they're very distant. They need to be appeased, all of those things. And we know that our God is absolutely not like that. And that's what God is relational by his nature and he has created us in his image and he's created us as relational beings. That's why our relationships are so important to him. Our relationships with him and our relationships with each other are so important to him because relationship is everything to God. It's so important. Relationship is the essence of, of uh, what God is interested in. But God is a relational being but he invites us into his own relationship. So he has invited us through Jesus into his own, that loving relationship between Father, Son and Spirit. God has invited you and I into that relationship. Now, I think that's a really powerful image to think about that. It's an image that I draw upon often myself, that we are in this beautiful relationship, love relationship. We have been drawn in brought in by Jesus shedding his blood into this relationship between Father, Son and Spirit. That perfect love that exists between Father, Son and Spirit is the same perfect love that loves you and I. It's that same perfect love that reaches out to you and I. It's that same perfect love that Jesus had when he died on the cross for you and I. It's that's the love that God has for you and I, that beautiful, perfect love. Now, I find that helpful and I'll leave that with you. For me, I find that really helpful to think about that at times when you, know, you may have a few challenges, that you are loved perfectly in that love relationship between Father, Son and Spirit. 
Now, God said, <clears throat> let us make us. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now, who's speaking there? The Godhead, Father, Son and Spirit. Let us make us. <clears throat> let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So you can hear the voice of Father, Son and Spirit drawing us in, made in their image as we are, made in the likeness of God, drawn into this beautiful relationship that God has with Father, Son and Spirit, drawn into that and we are to have that same relationship with each other. That's why God loves community life because it's about his love and it's about his life. This is why when we accept Jesus, we're included in the greatest love relationship of all time because that's what it is. It's eternal. The greatest love relationship of all time. An eternal love that always was and always will be that will never fade, that will never reject, that will never back off. That love is eternal. You live in that. You and I, we live in that eternal love of God, the Father, Son and Spirit. I believe that our security is always found in the love of God. There's no place other than that security that we find in the love of God. There's no other place that can give us that security, that can answer that need, that cry of the heart for security. The love of God is where that is answered. And that's where we find our security in him. When the anxieties come, when the fears come, when the other things come, our security is in the love of God, which never changes and never goes away. And you can always draw upon, you can always look upon that. Is that helpful? I find it really helpful. I live with that. This is the other thing that I live with too. The powerful love of God, the Father, Son and Spirit is the greatest weapon against anything that can come against you and I. That knowledge, that experience of the love of Father, Son and Spirit is the greatest weapon against anything that can come against you and I. No matter what we are going through, that does not change. And often we experience life experiences, in life experiences, we can find ourselves feeling maybe a bit discouraged, maybe a bit rejected, maybe a whole lot of other things, feeling not good enough, all of those things that come from time to time. That's not the truth. Of course it's not the truth. You're made in the image of God. But knowing that powerful love that surrounds you, and it does surround you, is the greatest weapon against anything or anyone that can come against you. That's very powerful. I have certainly used that in my own life many times. That is absolutely God's truth. Have we got that? Okay, can we receive that? Can we run with that? If there's nothing else that you receive this morning, if you receive that and walk out the door this morning, knowing that you are surrounded by the perfect love of God that is absolutely unshakable, it's a weapon against anything and everything else, you are accepted and you are loved. That is powerful. So the very act of Jesus coming to earth as one of us, as we know, is God demonstrating his desire for relationship. And of course, we find our identity in his image through Christ. Christ in the mirror. What do you see in the mirror? Who do you see in the mirror? The mirror that we hold up against ourselves. Sometimes what we see in the mirror, we don't like very much. Some mornings I don't like it very much either. Sometimes we don't. But the truth is you are made in the image of God. That is what is in the mirror when you see. You see yourself 
made in the image of God, loved, accepted, included, surrounded by the love of God. That is so powerful, so true. So we have access to the life of Father, Son and Spirit, a life that is the very source of our life and our being and a life that is life source that's way beyond what we can see, but we experience it by faith. And this is where faith comes in. We experience, we receive by faith, by faith in Jesus and who he is and what he has done. So God is building us together. Now, this is where it gets interesting. God is building us together, and this is where love is tested. And what's tested here is our love of God and, of course, our love of each other. So 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5 says this, Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Isn't that precious? That's beautiful. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Isn't that what we do when we come together to pray? Isn't that what we do when we come together to worship? When we use our gifts and our talents to serve the Lord? But there's more to this, isn't there? When we come together, God is working in us and through us. And God is shaping us. And this is the important part here. God shapes us for his purpose. He shapes us in the community, the community of faith, the church, the local church to which we belong. He is shaping us for his purposes. How many know they've been changed? How many think God's finished with them? No, he has not. <laughs> Never finishes with us. There are many times God will surprise us by what he's doing in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And that means that we honour what he is doing amongst us as we honour him. Now, God is shaping us into the likeness of Jesus. We know that. He's shaping us into the likeness of Jesus and he does it his way. And in that, he's calling us to this place of that holy priesthood. God actually calls us into holiness and into a holy life. And that means a life that's set apart for him. That is a life that puts aside all the other distractions, that puts aside the other things that get in the way, a life that puts aside that TV program that mightn't be the best thing for you to watch, puts aside that, uh, that YouTube video that mightn't be the best thing to watch, puts aside the book that may not be the best thing for you to read and says, no, I will have nothing to do with that because I belong to Jesus. He is forming me. He is shaping me. I am part of his house. I am part of his purpose and he has a purpose and he has a destiny, but we work with him. So we cooperate with him. We choose along the way, don't we, as he forms us and as he shapes us. And it continues, as long as we're on this earth, he's going to continue to form us and he's going to continue to shape us. Sometimes there's a bit of an ouch with that, isn't there? Sometimes it is. Sometimes we think, oh gosh, I didn't realise that that was there in my personality. Oh, gosh, I didn't realise I thought that or I felt yeah. that until something sort of goes <laughs> and, and pricks us. But that's the work of God in all of those situations. And it's a beautiful work because think about who he is. This is the God of love who is surrounded by love. So he's changing us in love. There's no condemnation here. He's not saying you're wrong. He's not saying you're bad. 
He doesn't like sin, we know that. He's paid the price for that and he is helping us through as we are transformed from glory to glory. Glory to glory, the glory of Jesus Christ flows through you, it shines on you. You live that through your life every day, that glory of Jesus that resides with you, that comes out from within you. That's what God is about. This is why God loves community. This is why he loves his community, because it reflects he's changing us into the image of the Son, who he loves so much. He loves you and I, and he wants the best for you and I. He is interested in us as a community. He is interested in us as a group together. He is interested in our relationships. He's interested in, in um, where we're going. He's interested in seeing the gifts brought out. He's interested in seeing us uh, mature into the people he's created us to be. He's interested every day. It's not like he's distant. He's with us every moment. He's interested in every moment of our lives, every instant of our lives, and he's with us in each of those, as we know. Now, Let's have a look at the early church in Rome. It's quite interesting to have a look at that because it's a good example for us to see God at work in building his community. Sometimes we are so close, it's, it's as if we're here and we just can't see too clearly because we're too close. But let's have a look at the church of Rome and just have a think about what it would have been like if you were part of that church in Rome. Let's just have a think. Okay, so the early church in Rome is actually what we would call a house church. Now, of course, at that stage, there was persecution in the Roman Empire and all sorts of things were happening. There's persecution in our world at the moment too of the church and of, of the beliefs and of faith. We're living in that in a different way. So the church in Rome was actually what we would call a house church, which is interesting. And Paul actually had... Um, uh, visions for multiple house churches. That comes out in his letters. But let's have a think about this. Who was in the church? Well, the social structure in Rome is an important backdrop for Paul's letter to the Roman church. The social structure was strongly hierarchical and a person's social status determined their identity, their place in society and their prospects in life. Some might say that's true in our culture too. I won't debate here. The vast majority of people in Rome, however, were at the lower socio-economic levels. They were not wealthy people. Slaves were a significant percentage of the population and homeless people existed in Rome as well. There was uh, quite a degree of homelessness in Rome. There were those who lived in crowded apartments. There were those who lived in slums. So this is the church in Rome that Paul writes to. Now, that church may have consisted of up, initially up to about 30 people who would have met in the home of one of the more elite. And we do know that Paul referred to the home of Priscilla and Aquila. So the church met in their home. So just imagine who was in the church there. How many differences would there have been between people in that church community? We've just described the socioeconomic. We've just described there were slaves, there were free. There were people who lived in slums. There were some who were more wealthy, and that was Priscilla and Aquila who opened up their home. But just imagine, here we have this church being formed, people called Jesus, coming to faith in Jesus, and this church coming together. Can you imagine what that would have been like for the people? Just put yourself in those shoes. You would have had so many differences in, what, in where people were coming from 
in what they believed, so many differences in their life experiences, so many differences in how they saw God, because um, they would have come, some of them would have come from uh, an atheistic background, some of them were Jews who came to Christ through Judaism. Imagine all the differences. So imagine that group of people getting along together. Well, most of the time they did. <laughs> most of the time they did. And that's true in some of the other churches as well, some of the early churches where Paul wrote his letters. But you see, it's the work of Christ. The common thing between that group, the common thing between us is the life of Christ who lives in us and who lives through us. That was the common thing there. And you can imagine some of the transformation that occurred in those people. You can imagine what a fiery church it would have become. You can imagine Jesus loving those people, changing those people, speaking... I think I've just lost this. Yes. Speaking truth into their lives. You can imagine what that would have been like. And then coming into the revelation of how God sees them, just the same as we do. We come into the revelation of how God sees us. Can you see then also the leadership of Paul? in that situation, leading a group of people like that. How God loved that group of people. How God loved them. How he loves you and I. That's such a powerful image. Can you see the work of Christ in forming this community, that community of living stones into the image of Christ? Can you see the work of Christ forming this community here into living stones? Can you see him at work? Can you see him at work? Yes, absolutely he is at work, and he's always at work. Paul also addressed the way God sees that sort of society in his letter to the Galatian church, which also faced issues of slavery and social differences, but was still under the influence of Roman rule. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That is how God sees you. He doesn't see any of those differences. And Paul repeated that to the Colossian church as well. God doesn't see the differences that we see. He sees Christ in you. He sees the image of Christ in you that he is continuing to form. He sees you as the living stones who together come to worship him and to say, thank you, Jesus, for who you are. It's a powerful, powerful thing to try and see this from God's perspective, what God sees when he looks at you, what God sees. He sees someone he loves. He sees someone that Jesus died for. He sees a community, for want of a better word, that he is forming to continue the work of Christ, to continue to talk about Jesus, to continue to spread the good news of the gospel. That's what we're here for. That's what God sees. He sees all of these things. He sees the gifts that he wants to bring out in you as you talk to another person and you give them a word of encouragement. He sees the gifts that he has placed in you as you help another person. He sees the gifts that, he, that um, you have when he calls you into service in one way or another. He sees all of those things and he loves it. He loves to see this because this was his plan, was his plan and his purpose. That's why he loves it. That's why he is so close. He didn't sort of say, well, Jesus died on the cross. Jesus has gone to heaven. Holy Spirit's here to help. Now we'll back off now and let it all happen. No, not at all. He's so actively, earnestly involved, so actively and earnestly 
interested. It is so important to him because you are so important to him. We are so important to him, very important to him. So today our churches, we're charged with reaching a very diverse social structure also. It's different, but it's very diverse. And this is why the, I know that the world that the youngest generation is so unlike the world of any previous generations. What they're growing up in is just so different from any other environment that any other generation has had to face, and that is increasing down the generations. We'll always have diverse generations in our own families. There'll be diversity in our own families. And we all need to actively prepare, reach and disciple these generations, both in our own homes and in our church community. And this is why we're all called to remain, all called to remain society, all called to remain. And there are some events coming up here and I would encourage you to take advantage of the opportunity. And you've heard about those events coming up. Now, Carolyn Ellen was here recently and her podcast on kids and the internet is available on the MCC platform. If you have not heard that on the podcast platform, listen to it. We need to know what's happening with our kids. We need to know what our generations are facing. We all need to know that because that's the generation that God is reaching out for. That's the generations that God wants to reach. And we, as a community, need to be ready to help those generations, we need to be culturally aware. We can't just sit back and turn our eyes and say, well, that's not for me, because God says it is for you. It is for you and I. The word I in 1 Peter is key. It literally means, sorry, the word living in 1 Peter is key. It simply means live. It also has a sense of quickening, okay? Quickening. So none of us are able to sit still. None of us are able to sit still. Because if we do, we come stuck in our own experiences while God is moving on around us. Really important, very important this, that quickening, that moving. So God is moving and we are moving. God is shaping us and we are changing. God is preparing us and we are responding to him. There are generations he must reach. There are generations that are in so much difficulty that he must reach. You and I need to be aware of that. We need to be mindful of that together, he changes us as he must. And this is where our love is tested. This is where our love is tested. Our love of him and our love of each other. Are we prepared? Are we prepared? Are we prepared to make ourselves aware? Are we prepared to engage? I'd encourage everyone to come along to the sessions that are coming up in October and November, the events that are coming up. They're for everybody. Don't think they're just for kids or parents of kids. I came along to Caroline Ellen's. I've got grandchildren. We need to know what it is our kids are facing. Very important. This is part of our community life. This is part of doing life together, being aware of what's happening with our generations. This is why we're called living stones. We can't just dig our heels in and decide, I'm going to camp here. God doesn't do that and resist what God's doing in and around us. No, we can't do that. God is at work in each of us and reshaping us for his purpose. So we might suffer a little bit of pain as we come to the awareness that God doesn't stand still and we need to allow him to reshape us. But as the good father that he is, he's there to help us through it. So we can't say, well, I know it now. I'm comfortable here. I can help anybody. 
I would challenge you this morning that that is not God's truth because he's continuing to work in you and continuing to change you. Very important. And I know that in my own life. Many times I thought, well, and then God said no. <laughs> you sort of think, okay, this I know, this I've experienced, etc., etc. and then God says there's something else. And God says keep moving. And he's saying this morning, keep moving. Keep moving in your awareness. Keep moving in what's happening around you. Be aware of what's happening in our culture. You need to obviously be wise about what you choose to engage in. I was reading something last night that, um, uh, that Taylor Swift has now introduced witchcraft into her concerts. So we need to be aware of what's going on around us. That's right, we need to be aware. So yes, we are, we are the community that lives in this society, in this day and in this age, but the same God is working through you and I. The same God wants to bring understanding and awareness between us. That same God wants to use you and I to touch others and to help others. And uh, I really feel that that's very, very, um, very much on his heart this morning as I speak. I feel that he wants us to rise up inside ourselves. Don't cancel, I feel like he's saying, don't cancel yourself out here. Don't cancel yourself here. Don't think you're not relevant because I feel that God is saying that you are relevant. You're very much, why? Because you're part of his body. We're all joined together. We are connected together in Christ and through Christ. So we are one. That's the most important thing. We are not that group of individuals that is normally meant by the word community that have come together for a purpose. We're not just a group of individuals that come together on a Sunday morning to pray and worship God. No, we are joined together as a body. We are joined together in Christ and every part of our life is joined to him. That's very important, I feel, and I feel he's really wanting to stir us up this morning. So when we do come together, we create a space for God's love and grace to flow through us and into the world around us. We know that. So how does that then start to shape the way that we respond to God? We've just talked about what the world around us looks like. We've just talked about the Roman church, what it looked like, and how God worked through the Roman church. Same here. It's exactly the same here. So how does that affect how we respond to God? I'll leave that with you just to consider for yourself. I think it might help us also to realise that we're still dependent on God that we can never know it all, and God's designed us this way. God has designed us this way. So we've been created by God to be dependent on, oh yes, God's love and compassion, as we know, is so much greater than is humanly possible, of course. So his love and compassion flowing through us is so much greater than we can have on our own, because it's his love and his compassion that flows through us. So we are created... Just go back a little bit here. Go back. I think we've lost our slides. Now we'll go back. There we go. We've been created by God to be dependent on him and dependent on each other. We might find that challenging at times. Let's just unpack this a little bit. Adam and Eve had a choice in the garden if we step right back now to remain dependent on God by drawing from the tree of life 
but they chose to go their own way by choosing the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This choice broke the bond of their dependence on God and it severed their relationship with God. So let's have a think for a minute. Could it be that we can become so comfortable in our spiritual growth and our knowledge of the word that we think we can live independently from God in the knowledge that we already have, whether we realise it or not? In other words, knowledge of God and the neglect of relationship with God means that we can become stuck. Then we wonder why our world falls apart. So we, have, we can grow in knowledge, but if we neglect relationship with God while we're growing in knowledge, this is where we can become stuck because it's our ongoing relationship with God that is the source of his work in our lives. Very important. So no matter how long we've been walking with the Lord, there'll be times when we'll discover our ongoing dependence on him. I have discovered that over and over and over again, and I'm sure you have too, that we need God. We need him in our lives. We need him working in our lives. We need him in our circumstances. But, you know, this is a heart thing. And I think the caution here is what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden. They were tempted by the knowledge you can be like God because of knowledge, here it is. Same temptation can be with us today with knowledge, when knowledge is above relationship. And God is about relationship, and it's through relationship that we gain the knowledge of him. Through his word, which is relationship, we gain the knowledge of him. Very important. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. So God has invited us into his relationship through what Jesus accomplished on the cross at Calvary. We're called to live this new life that we've been called together in his community that he builds and that he forms. It's a call to a radical new life, radical, based in love, the love that we know from God, the love that flows through us. His engagement with us is not about us alone as individuals, but also about our relationships with each other. I think we've said that over this morning. That's what God's interest in. God's love and compassion, as we said before, is greater, goes beyond what's humanly possible. The love between Father, Son and Spirit is supernatural. Supernatural. It's a supernatural love that flows through us, a supernatural love. <laughs> Just as the church at Rome was built with living stones who were very diverse, so then the same spirit is building us together. Same spirit building us together. And this is why we are all being changed. The question for us this morning is how do we express our love for him? What pleases him? We'll leave it to you to search out the word for yourself during the week and to find out what he says. But we are in covenant relationship with God through Jesus. Covenant relationship. This brings us to the point of communion. 
So closely associated with the word community is the word communion. And this is often why we call the Lord's Supper or the Lord's Table communion. The word communion, according to the dictionary, is the close relationship with someone in which feelings and thoughts are, explained, are exchanged. We're made to live in communion with God. Feelings and thoughts exchanged as we're in prayer with God, as we spend time with him. We're called to the sharing of the Lord's Supper together, communion, because that's the time when we recognise our spiritual union with Christ. The truth is this. God sees us through the cross. And this is what we remember when we take communion together. God sees you and I through the cross, through what God has done. He doesn't see our past. He looks at you and I now through the cross of Christ. And what does he see? He sees Jesus. He sees Jesus in all his glory. Jesus said in John 14:34, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you. So we've talked about relationship. We've talked about community with each other, communion with God. We've talked about love this morning. In 1 Corinthians 11.25, Paul said this. In the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. It's a time of encounter with the Lord. It's a time when we recognise our spiritual union with the Lord. Because it was the Son who came down to earth. The Son who came. Taking communion together is us saying to the Lord, yes, we are in covenant relationship with you, Lord. Yes, Lord, we remember what you have commanded us to do, to love one another as God loves us. This is also why God loves community life, as the very life of Christ flows through us as Christ lives in us and amongst us. Father, Son and Spirit live in perfect unity. The Son came to earth that we would be included in that same love relationship for eternity. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And we are saying, yes, Lord, this is our outward expression of our faith in you, of our covenant relationship with you, that we are partaking in that. We have done that when we've accepted Jesus, but when we take this together, we are partaking of that covenant and everything that Jesus has won for us. So can we stand? and get ready to take communion together. It was a good time to take communion earlier. It's a good time now too. <laughs> so as we take the bread, let us remember who Jesus is. Let us remember the great love that he demonstrated, publicly demonstrated his love for us. Thank you, Jesus. That he made the way for us 
to experience that love relationship of Father, Son and Spirit. Sometimes that's called a divine embrace. And as if we're being embraced by Father, Son and Spirit, included in their love, in their protection, in all of those things. So as we take the bread, we say thank you, Jesus. Thank you for coming, Lord. Thank you for being willing. And Lord, yes, as we take this, we say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We are saying outwardly, we belong to you, that your life throws, flows through us. We take it together this morning and we say, thank you, Jesus. And as we take the cup, Jesus called it the cup of the new covenant. We're saying, yes, Jesus. This is important. It's important to him. It's important to God. And we say, thank you, Jesus. And we say, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. And as we take the cup, just say to him, I love you, Lord. Love you, Lord. So we come full circle this morning. Come full circle from the eternal God in heaven, sending the Son to earth, that we would be included, that we would be embraced, that we could be built up together into the likeness of Christ. And in this place, we acknowledge before him that new covenant, the wonderful thing that he did on the cross at Calvary. Just take a moment to give him your own thanks. This is why God loves his community. He loves community life because the life of his son flows through his community. That's why. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for healing of any sickness right now in Jesus' name, that any pain would go right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that heaviness lifts off right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that we walk free. Lord, those chains were broken. Those chains have been broken, Lord. We thank you for freedom this morning, Lord. No more chains, no more heaviness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for uh, refreshing this morning. Lord, thank you for renewing us this morning, God. Thank you for the moving of your Spirit amongst us, Lord. Thank you for that supernatural moving of your Spirit. Thank you for the supernatural love that flows through us, Lord, that we can love because love, your love is supernatural. Your love is supernatural. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful community here and those watching online, Lord. Thank you that together, Lord, we come. Together we say thank you. Together we say we lift your name up high, Jesus. We say you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. We thank you, Jesus, that you're coming again, Lord. We thank you that it's not finished, Lord. But we thank you, Lord, that we are here now with the baton in our hands, Lord, 
to play our part, Lord. We're ready, Lord, to say yes to whatever it is, Lord, you ask us to do. We say yes, Lord, this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'd encourage you during the week just to spend a bit of time in the Word and look at what pleases God. There are some things that He loves. Have a look at the things that He loves and see what pleases Him. Not because you have to appease Him, but because you love Him, because it's a love relationship. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Is anyone feeling the Lord touching them right now? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your presence amongst us, Lord. Yes, thank you, Lord. Supernatural strength in Jesus' name. Supernatural strength. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in our midst, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Lord, we reach out to you in faith. In faith. In faith. Thank you, Lord. I can see these touching some people right now. Thank you, Lord. That in faith, Jesus, we belong to you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your eternal purposes, Lord. Way beyond what we can see or imagine, Lord. But Lord, we walk in faith. And as we leave here this morning, Lord, we walk in faith. Knowing who you are, who you say we are, Lord. We thank you for a great week that's ahead, Lord. We thank you for those that we will encounter during the week, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for how you're working in our families, Lord, how you're working in our lives, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we pray for those who are away at the moment, Lord. There's school holidays. There are a number of us who are away, a number of people who are away. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for their time together. We ask you to bless them, Lord. We ask you to give them rest, Lord. Give them peace, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, as we are in the springtime, Lord, as we see the sunshine, we're reminded, Lord, of the sun. We're reminded of his love. And Jesus, we receive that right now, Lord. We receive it right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. He's good, isn't he? He's good. He's good. He's good all the time. Thank you so much for listening and I'll hand back to Kelly. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Anna. I trust that during the service, God was moving in your heart and his presence was where you are. Just before we say goodbye today, I'd love to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. If today's message spoke to you, or you've been considering believing in Jesus as your saviour, then I would love to invite you to do that now. Would you repeat this short prayer after me? Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins and that you rose again to give me life. I ask you to forgive my sins 
and be my Lord and my Saviour. I open my heart to you today. Amen. If you said yes to Jesus today, we would love to hear from you. We would love to celebrate with you, pray with you and help you start your Jesus journey. Visit our website, manninghamcc.org and go to the I Said Yes page. Fill out your details and one of our leaders will get in touch with you. We would love to hear your story. Hey, thanks for joining in today and being part of our service. If you enjoyed today's service, would you click the share button and subscribe to MCC so you can stay connected? We all need some good news and we would love to hear how God has spoken to you today. Visit manninghamcc.org and fill out a good news story form today. If you would love to know more how to grow in your relationship with God, then Next Steps provides the path for you. Visit manninghamcc.org to find out more. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time.